to another episode of Sweet Valley Online. This episode, we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins number 49, The Twins' Little Sister. I'm Wing. I love being a big sister. And I'm still waiting for werewolves. I'm here with my not-so-evil triplets, Dove and Raven. I'm Dove. I'm an only child. And that is exactly how life should be. I'm Raven. I'm a big brother. And I quite enjoy it, I guess. Well, that was a rousing endorsement for uh, being a big sibling. Thanks, Raven. Well, what can I say? It, it really doesn't impact my life that much. <laughs> so I guess the quick summary, and we have an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot this time, which is kind of cool. So the A plot is that Jessica Wakefield, the girl who not too long ago learned that she hates to babysit and doesn't really like little kids has decided that she loves babies and what she wants most in the world more than a great looking sweater or a date with a hot superstar or to bury bodies in the backyard she wants a younger sibling i don't believe that for a second which means the entire a plot doesn't work for me but cool So the A-plot is about Jessica and Elizabeth's desire for a little sibling and how they want to convince their parents that it's a good idea to have a sibling by taking care of a little kid at the Wakefield house for a week. Because, for some reason, adults in Sweet Valley still let Jessica and Elizabeth take care of living creatures. Why? 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 That's all I have. Why? The B-plot is that Amy Sutton is desperately trying to raise enough money to buy her parents soccer tickets for their wedding anniversary. She needs 24 whole entire U.S. dollars for two tickets, which sounds really fucking cheap even back then. The way she tries to do this is to collect aluminum cans to turn it for cash, sells cookies or tries to apparently she's a shitty baker mows lawns and cleans garages all to disastrous results she only earns the last of the money when she steps in to babysit that same little kid from the a plot so that jessica and elizabeth can go to a party again why would anyone ever trust a kid to the wakefield twins they can't even make it one week without needing to hire a fucking babysitter The C-plot, and my favorite plot, is that Jessica is trying to decide between swoony Aaron Dallas, who is her sort of sixth grade boyfriend, and dreamy Chad Lucas, Steven's friend, who she thinks is flirting with her because he does things like give her a sandwich and ask her for help when he's working on his bike in the Wakefield garage and tells her she doesn't look anything like a baby sister and tells her that he likes having her around you know what i'm with jessica on this he's fucking flirting with her so the a plot resolves in that elizabeth and jessica watch chrissy steal so that her parents can go on a cruise they had their housekeeper lined up to watch the kid but the house but the housekeeper will be out of town for her daughter's wedding. How very dare she choose her family over the Steele family. How very dare. 
The Steels, of course, haven't lined up anyone else to watch Chrissy and jump on the fact that Jessica and Elizabeth offer. The twins, meanwhile, think it will be easy and fun to have Chrissy around because they've always had a good time playing with her when she visits, and clearly she'll be the perfect little sister. Except she's, you know, five, and homesick, and missing her parents, and grumpy and whiny, like all little kids can be. And she tells their secrets and teases them about boys and makes up stories like all little siblings can do. So basically, she is exactly what a little sister would be like for the twins, and they hate it. Things get worse and worse until Chrissy disappears while Elizabeth and Jessica are at that party. Way to be a good babysitter, Amy. They do find her later at a neighbor's house, return her to her parents unharmed, and eventually decide that, hey, yeah, having a younger sibling would be shitty. It's about this time that Alice and Ned start joking around about Alice being pregnant because even though they're often not engaged, they're decent parents in this book, and then they troll the hell out of their kids, which I love. The B plot resolves with Amy going through all these strugglings, being really shit at all of the chores she tries to do, and she undercharges for them too. She loses a kid while babysitting, as I've talked about, which, you know, still still not great. And yet she manages to earn the money and buy the soccer tickets for her parents. They love the soccer game. This whole plot is very boring and also turns on the idea that she is going to buy their anniversary tickets because this is an anniversary gift. The same day that the soccer game is happening for super cheap and her parents are going to be able to go without having to cancel any plans. So again, this plot is completely unbelievable. Thank God we have the C plot. So in the C plot, Jessica actually seems to have learned something from the older boy, which is, I'm sure you know, one of Raven's favorite books. Because for most of this story, she is well aware that Chad is too old for her and that dating him would be hard work and not any fun. And she flat out admits that it's not fair to Aaron for her to be thinking about another boy. This all sort of goes out the window as soon as the unicorns get involved, though, and that is fun and realistic. Their encouragement drives her to act in ways that she knows she shouldn't, and in ways that she doesn't even really want to act sometimes. And that sort of peer pressure is realistic, believable, and makes for a great story. However, it turns out that Chad is not flirting with her. He's only being nice to her because he thinks of her as a little sister. Uh, the way that Steven thinks of Jessica's little sister, because that was definitely flirting, Chad. They have a really sweet moment at the party, and Jessica's glad to have Aaron, even though he and the rest of the boys at the party spend all their time enthusing over a model trade set. Okay, sure. Also, and this doesn't entirely fit in this plot, but it's not enough to have its own, there's a bunch of stuff where Chrissy teases Elizabeth and Todd about being boyfriend and girlfriend, and then Todd actually says, hey, I wouldn't mind being your boyfriend, which, yay, team Elizabeth and Todd, woo, good times. And I think this is the best way to handle that, because they can get nauseatingly cute, just having them kind of in the background while Jessica's having dating and relationship issues is probably the better way to go about it. But, so of course, everything is tied up with a neat little bow because, you know, Sweet Valley book. 
and A plot and B plot, boring but resolved, C plot, a ton of fun, even though we've seen it happen before. Awesome. Marvelous. I think you're right. Like the the plot with Jessica and Chad is literally a plot I care about. So yeah, I I have some love for the Amy plot. Amy's an I know the pair idiot. of you da- I, That's the love that I have for it. Amy comes across as a proper gimmer, which is great. I do take all the points that you've raised in this one though, Wink, about the the whole ridiculousness of getting last minute soccer tickets. Wait, one second. How much did it hurt you to call it soccer? Just <laughs> Unfortunately, the book calls it soccer, so we have to call it soccer, I guess. I'm not going to go down the old football hand egg thing again. <laughs> but, um, yes. Yeah, and it's not like we can actually explain the name rugby. So It used to be played on a rug with, with a bees. Yeah. <laughs> and with, no, to be fair, we can explain rugby. It, it was invented in rugby school. So that's a great explanation. Much better than soccer or football. <laughs> well, the whole rugby thing was actually invented when people were playing football, stroke soccer, and one of the boys just went, fuck this game for a game of soldiers, picked up the ball and ran and started fighting with everybody else. And everyone went, what ho, that's a fantastic idea for a game. When in reality, they should have blew the whistle and sent him off for handball and cheated. <laughs> but I love him. That's the greatest rigid story ever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we are a nation who plays British Bulldog. Now, I can't even remember the rules, but as far as I remember, you all lined up on a wall and then a fight happened. That sounds fun too. British Bulldog was basically Kabaddi. I bet you that there's a sentence you never thought you'd hear. What is new wink? <laughs> I, I don't even know what most of the words in that sentence mean. Well, no, just that last word. That Kabaddi is uh, one of... If, India's national sports, I think, where you basically got picture a tennis court without a net, okay, and two teams, one on one side, one on the other. One team has got to stand there and hold their hands together, like in like a chain, and or at least in pairs, and then somebody from the other team has to go into their the 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 opposing half while holding their breath and touch one of the players and then run off without getting caught. And the way they signify they're holding their breath is by saying the word kabaddi under their breath. Like this. Kabaddi 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 and they're not allowed to break that. If they break that without going back, then then they're 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 counted as captured. What sort of a fucking sport's that? First of all, that's amazing. I mean, so they're not even holding their breath. They're using their breath while they're running and trying to touch people. Exactly, yes. yes. That's amazing. Just to clarify, in British Bulldog, the touch is more like a punch and you're allowed to breathe. Yes. It gives the punch more oomph. So basically, because you need that extra power in the punch, you have to breathe. Yeah. Up until you talked about the holding your breath and just touching, I was like, oh, it's Red Rover. In which case, you know, you stand in the line holding hands, linking arms, and then you barrel your way through that, which was my favorite part, obviously. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's where the weight advantage comes in. Like, it's like, exactly. you mock me for being fat. You all fucking want me when it comes to Red Rover, don't you? <laughs> That would be a great, a great subplot for Lois Waller in a future book. Oh, yes. Yeah, a Red <laughs> Rover League. Come on. <laughs> uh, 
the thing with Kabaddi is, I mean, that's the thing. Kabaddi is, is Kabaddi is just a playground game, right? But it's like a national pastime in in India. It, I did not it used know to be that. televised over here. What? And you know, you, yeah, you could watch Kabaddi every Sunday on Channel Four. Channel Four was weird, but amazing. yeah. That's amazing. This is the greatest thing I've learned this week. Oh my god! It's all over YouTube and stuff. Go and watch some kabaddi. Yeah, it's really good. One hundred percent. As soon as and, it's and, recording. I'll, to be fair, I'll not lie. It's really fun to say kabaddi, 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 like that. That's good. That. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking. This is exactly what people tuned in for. Like the twins' little sister. A brief history of British bulldog. This is exactly what people tune in for. And actually, having I did a podcast panel at a convention this past weekend and yeah based on talking to the audience both during and then after i feel like a lot of this interaction is exactly what people tune in for actually to be fair we we do quite a few downloads in india so perhaps some of our indian listeners can correct us on all the shit that we got yes. wrong because we know we did tell us, sorry. i have to know more about this sport yes if 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 i've just totally misrepresented kabaddi in your national pastime i only can apologize my friends <laughs> holding your breath that's ridiculous this sounds it's amazing. amazing the only sport that you should hold your breath in is swimming that is not where I thought he was going what sort of sports are you thinking of apparently really perverted ones <laughs> maybe because up on my screen is the recap and one of the first comments is about how they have to disinfect ball gags and fill the wheelie bin with cottage cheese so perhaps <laughs> I'm prime for perversion at the moment Marvellous. Anyway, should we get back to the uh, the meat of the book? I was just going to say, I have never understood this whole, aren't babies adorable? As a child, I just found them to be noisy and irritating. Like, they're not on my level, so, you know, they can't team up with me to have a massive game of My Little Ponies versus The Smooths. All they do is, like, make a load of noise and make a load of mess and potentially some smells. And as an adult, I just see them as utterly brave. Literally never. It's one of the reasons I can't give up smoking because one of my favourite go-to um, excuses is, oh, no, I've just I, – I had a cigarette, like, half an hour ago and you wouldn't believe how long it clings to you. In fact, I'd better go over there until you and your baby leave. That's a really good excuse. My favorite is because I have such bad allergies, I'm always sniffling, as you guys know. So I constantly sound like I might be sick, which is a great excuse to not hold people. My favorite excuse is, I'm really sorry, but your baby's really fucking ugly. <laughs> I mean, look at it. It looks Holy like it's been, it looks like a slapped ass. <laughs> it looks like you've, you've taken a pug, shaved it, and then put it in a bib. This is amazing. I need you to go on with this list of what ugly babies look like <laughs> forever. So, yeah, like, it's weird to me, this whole plot, in part because, obviously, like I said, I don't believe that Jessica suddenly loves babies and wants a younger sibling. I could definitely see Jessica wanting something to shape and, you know, bask in reflected glory of and not really understand that you need care and nurture for it. I could see that. I guess maybe when she's older, or at least maybe if they spun this differently, because I never got the feeling that that's why she wanted a kid was. Yeah. First of all, she 
I don't know that she would ever want to share the attention that a younger sibling would take away from her. But yeah, I can definitely see your point that, oh, I'm so great. I need to make this thing and bask in like everything it does is because of me and blah, blah, blah. So also yeah. sorry for calling babies. It I do that a lot. Uh, please don't be offended, people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe she is just there to um, sort of mold it in her own mold the child in her own image so she has a little tiny minion to help dig the graves in the McCandy backyard okay, or something you know what I would buy that <laughs> alright fair enough yeah she's getting in on like Sweet Valley Kids takes a fucking dark turn when <laughs> baby Wakefield enters like the the second grade or whatever and little and start dropping like flies shit we're gonna get blacklisted on our pod uh, pod host aren't I we I desperately but... need that to be a fanfic <laughs> I have to say, like, I was desperate for Grapplegate to write um, Sweet Valley High into a corner because obviously Sweet Valley High was a bit further along than uh, Twins was. Like, it was well established when Twins came out. So, really fucking funny if um, Grapplegate actually wrote that Alice was pregnant and did have a baby, and um, all of a sudden, all the books are wrong. <laughs> I think that'd that be would great. Be hilarious. I just think that they'll be like, right, okay, you've done this. Thank you for your tenure um, helming the Sweet Valley Twins ship. And then we, by the time they get to um, book 100 in the Sweet Valley Twins line, it's like, yes, um, Alice puts the kid up for adoption or, you know, she has a miscarriage or, you know, something something like that just so they can reset it. Alice drinks oh, yeah, too much gin. <laughs> and I think just disappears. That's if we're writing. <laughs> or they have the kid and it gets stolen and they don't tell anybody. <laughs> Keep it quiet, we'll get into trouble. Never mention, I don't know, never mention Laura again. There was no Laura. You never had the baby That's sister. Totally believable, actually. <laughs> the thing is, like, uh, you two are spitballing and some of these plots aren't exactly inconceivable in Sweet Valley High. Like,. <laughs> You've awesome. swung wildly and somehow hit on some topics that do come up. I mean, swung wildly, yes. But I would also say that it's very much, at least Sweet Valley High to me as an outsider, has always sounded very much like a soap opera. And so all of these are definitely soap yeah, opera Yeah, yeah, they really are a soap opera. That's probably why I like Twins more. It's, right. it's It is it is a soap opera, but it's, it's younger. So, you know... It, it won't be life and death and, you know, cancer of the week and things right. like that. It's a, well, except for that time we did have cancer. We did, actually, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like a book ago or something. Coming up, we've got an earthquake, one of uh, the main characters running away. These are all titles, so they're not spoilers. Uh, deserted on a uh, desert island where they turn into adults for Christmas. Wait, do we have another supernatural Christmas story? Oh my god, that's going to be awesome. Um, a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff that carries on for four books that made me so mad, I actually very nearly stopped reading the entire series. Four books of Nightmare on Elm Street, though? Yeah. Four books? <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Yeah. And also they rip off the Babysitter's Club in that, so it's going to work on a number of levels for you. You're either going to be delighted or really angry. I can't work out which. Probably angry, actually. I don't know why that was even in question. <laughs> Talking about soap operas, I did quite enjoy in this book... Talking about this book. Well done, that, Raven. Um, well done. <laughs> thank you very much. Trying to keep it on track. 
I did enjoy when Stephen and Jessica were off sick from school watching yeah, the TV. That's not this book. No, no it's, it's not. not. It's the next book. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. God damn it. Yes. I, I really loved that exchange as well. It was yes. so sibling I'm so excited to talk about it, oh, but yeah, dear. not this okay, book. So let's way to stay on track, over that. Raven. <laughs> we'll keep that one for, uh, for the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, just save that soundbite for, um, yeah. for the next podcast. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, fantastic. We're recording it later today. Okay, so is there anything about this book that we actually liked? Just the high drama romance. And I did like the fact that Jessica got caught up with the idea of the romance. Again, like this is such a recurring theme with her. She loves the drama. She loves the idea of romance. But in the back of her mind, she's like, oh, I can't deal with going out with a high school boy again. I nearly died. I was tired. (laughs) And then Ellen's like, oh, it's so romantic. And Jessica's like, it totally is. You know, she's just fun. I like this, Jess. She's, I do love how they feed each other because we saw this even with boys their own age back during that Elizabeth's first kiss or whatever, uh, where there's the girls all convince themselves it's dates and the boys are like, yeah, no, we're just at the same bowling alley <laughs> at the same time. So I do love how the unicorns just kind of build this up together. And not in a way, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of one-upsmanship to it, but a lot of it is just the, oh my God, he likes you, or oh my God, this, or oh my God, that. I really like that aspect of their friendship. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's actually quite true for, like, my friends. Like, if a boy smiled at us, it was like, oh my God, I think he likes Becca. And then it's like, or is it Liz? Who was he smiling at? Was it Becca or Liz? Do you want me to go over there and ask him who he was smiling at? And and everyone's like, oh, no, no, I'll, I'll be casual. I'll bump into him later. You know, and it, it was so dramatic. And it was just like some dude walking past us and gave, right. gave a general smile to a bunch of about six girls. And we just assumed it was either Becca or Liz because they had the biggest boobs and the slimmest waist. And to be fair, that was a f- pretty good way to judge it. It was always one of those two. You know, but we would blow it. Even when we were trying to be cool, we would just immediately unicorn the shit out of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Very nice. But apparently none of us care about Chrissy because we're, we're just not talking about her, are we? I quite like Chrissy. I thought she was a very good representative of what a five-year-old should be. I thought she was at once part, uh, you know, one part very, very cute and another part massively maddening. And I thought that was, yeah, I thought Chrissy was handled well. And I enjoyed when she was doing things that made Jessica and Elizabeth sort of swoon a little bit. Go, go, oh, how cute. Because we were doing it with them as well. As well as the times when she was just being a right horror. I particularly enjoyed when she, didn't she kick Bruce Patman? She did. Which is great. You know, if that's that's going to not bring it onto the side of the reader, then I don't know what is, so... I really loved Christy. I just don't like the plot around her. But yeah, she's great. I think you're right. She really seemed like a realistic five-year-old. And like a realistic little sibling. Like, Todd and Elizabeth talk together in front of her. And so she just immediately takes off that Todd is Elizabeth's boyfriend and does not let it die. Just picks at her and picks at her and picks her over it. Picks at her and picks at her and picks at her over it. Which is super realistic and hilarious in the story itself. And I really like that part of it. I just cannot get around this idea that they so desperately want a little sibling and that they're trusted with something alive. Because, no, why? Why is that still a thing? 
I will have to say that I, I quite enjoyed the way you said Pixera, 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 because it reminded me of Kabaddi, 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 Kabaddi. Excellent. So yes. You, you probably have a, uh, a, a, a a good chance of getting onto the Kabaddi national team, should that be the case, and you can be uh, for it. Yeah. Uh, I need that to happen. But yeah, so I really liked Chrissy, and I did love the whole, like, she did not let Bruce Patman get away with anything. And I really liked that even Jessica was like, oh my god, he's being a dick, and she calls him on it. I'm like, if only you could remember this for the rest of the fucking series. If only you could remember terrible. anything for the rest of the fucking series, <laughs> Jessica. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, to be honest, I'll just take remember that you've seen a fucking ghost for the next time you're <laughs> yeah. worried about if you can see a fucking ghost. That'll be all right. That is very true. The whole ghost thing uh, really should carry through more often. Lots of supernatural stuff happens. It just kind of floats away. I'd rather have her remember that even than the fact that she's dated an older boy and it went spectacularly wrong. Yeah. yeah. I will say that's one of the things I've noticed about the Grapplegate era especially as we are unfortunately progressing towards the end of it now, is that they do a lot of tying, not necessarily in this book, but they do a lot of tying stuff back in and mentioning stuff that they've written about in their books and other stuff from previous books. Um, we'll, We'll talk about this in podcast in the future, I'm sure, but there are some really good bits where they're like, oh yes, these, these writers are on it. They know the series. Yeah. And that makes you, you, you feel more confident when you're, when you're reading it, which is great. Yeah. And I actually think they did a great job with that in this book, uh, at least around Jessica's subplot, because there is a lot of times when she's just flat like, no, this is a terrible idea. I know how bad it is to date an older boy. But then the unicorns are bigging her up and she's like, oh, yes, I can do this. I can do this. It's great. So she knows this is not great. And yet, but I like that she recognizes that. And I think in a different Ghostwriter's hands, they would have just kind of glossed over it. Like they tend to do with the new girl. There's never any acknowledgement that there's been 500 new girls so far this yeah, year. Yeah, it's a huge amount of new girls, isn't it? And there's another one in the next book, so... Right. I mean, my favourite. Oh, second. Ugh. She's up there with Brooke, but uh, it is just this idea that no one ever acknowledges, hey, a bunch of people are moving to Sweet Valley for some reason. I would say Mandy is the best new girl, but... Uh... Oh, I like Mandy, too. Damn it, they did a really good job with some of the new girls, because I like Nora, too. <laughs> all the new girls are better than all the original girls. Yeah. Just get rid of true. all of it and just, general, just, just read the new adventures of Sweet Valley. <laughs> Oh, I would read the hell out of that. I would love to reboot this series. Just do it again. It'd be amazing. Well, when we get to the end, maybe we will. True. In 2056 or whatever it is. By then, we'll, we, we will have convinced Scholastic, I think it's Scholastic, to let us have a go at this. I think it's Bantam <laughs> over here. I could be wrong. Oh, all right. So whoever it is. I just assumed Scholastic, but I think that's because they did the Babysitter's Club. So I assume they did all of the like series books, but maybe not. Ah, maybe they were going head-to-head, Bantam versus Scholastic. Ooh, that's a good idea. I bet they were. I mean, if even if it's not the same publisher, the series certainly felt like they were. And I think we've talked about this before. You you really either read one or the other when you were the right age for them. I didn't know anybody who read both, no, which is weird. No, I didn't either. Um, yeah, because they, they would be next to each other on the shelf or, you know, on one-on-one shelf, one on the one mm-hmm. below. And I would just breeze right past babysitters for Sweet Valley goodness or badness. Quite often badness. <laughs> <Or both. laughs> 
So, going back to the book, I do believe, I agree entirely with what you were saying, Wing, that um, Stephen's friend, what was his name? Chad. Chad, <laughs> that's it. Chad was definitely flirting. Right? 100% flirting. You know, he was there like, hi there, Jessica, you're looking mighty fine today. Do you want some gravy with your chicken? And whatever, <laughs> you know. Didn't he call her cute? He did. He makes a sandwich for himself. And right, like they haven't started, he and Stephen haven't started eating their sandwiches yet. And when Jessica comes in, that's apparently her favorite kind of sandwich. And there's not enough stuff to make another one. So he gives up his sandwich to yeah. her. Yeah. He and he winks and says, I wouldn't mind you and a sandwich, you darling. <laughs> Just ludicrous. Just, I reckon that that was probably, because obviously he, he, he reined it back when Stephen was like, oi. One, she's my sister. Two, she's, she's mine. mine. <laughs> so I think he was like, oh, you know, I just see her as a little sister, don't worry. And he totally backtracked. I reckon he, he was definitely flirting with her. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, he was he was a flirty gertie. I think we also have to talk about Amy, the Amy plot because I did enjoy the Amy plot. I like the fact that Amy literally couldn't do anything right, which is not really what you expect from somebody who's Elizabeth's friend. Oh no, I th- I think that's that's fair because like, you know, she is going to look so much more brilliant if Amy is a barely functioning moron who needs Elizabeth to handhold her through everyday tasks such as, you know, tying her shoelaces or not licking the wall. I'd I'd sort of I'd I'd give you that if it was a book about Elizabeth, but Elizabeth didn't really do anything in this one at all. This was just basically Amy being shit not to make elizabeth look better or even to make jessica look better or anything it was just a showcase of amy being rubbish at things so the fact that she couldn't bake the fact that she couldn't clean things properly without she couldn't garden without cutting up somebody's roses i I do believe that was one of them wasn't it she cut off someone's flower and yeah the, the best she could do was like cleaning out people's garages including Mr. Andretti's garage, which did make me laugh. I'm like, yeah, that's not for the kids, that joke, is it? That's definitely for the adults there. So that was great. Well, even then, she's terrible at it. She throws away old family photos. It was she does, yeah. You have to go through, through the, the bin. The trash. Yeah, I was like, that's you were really shit at this yeah. job. Yeah, I just hate Amy. So I quite like that. Well, yeah, but that's a bias that you have, isn't it? Yeah, that's because it's true. She she's awful. She's just boring i kind of like her (laughs) i don't think she was boring in this one i know i found the plot itself well i guess like i said the frame of it is hard to buy so i just had a hard time with the whole thing but i did get a kick out of her being terrible at everything (laughs) did you think she was boring in this one dove boring in this book i think you're right that i've got a bias because i was just like oh amy just fucking stop breathing you pointless waste (laughs) of space give your parents the gift that never stops giving (laughs) Die. I think I think wings just collapsed. Right, wings. The, the camera's just gone. I knocked my computer off the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Dove made me laugh really hard. <laughs> I knocked everything over. It was awesome. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed the fact that Amy seemed to get more and more desperate as she went along to try and find the money for these. Uh, she should have been tickets. dealing meth. And then. <laughs> Breaking Bad with Sweet Valley. That yeah, amazing. Yeah, maybe that's what Mr. Nydick's been doing. Ooh, anyway, I, I think that she was getting more and more desperate, and then she was basically thrown a rubber ring by 
the A plot when Jessica and Elizabeth were like, oh, we want to go to this party. Can you babysit? And then she made a colossal fucking pig's ear of that as well, including losing the kid that Jessica then had to come and find. And it was at Mr. Howard's Aquarium, which we'll come back to, which is great. And then at the end of it, Amy had the gall to say, well, at least I'm still getting paid, aren't I? (laughs) 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 With like sweat pouring down, I think, fucking hell, I need this money. I need this money. I'm like, no, one, you shouldn't get paid, Amy. Two, you should probably get arrested. For endangering a kid. <laughs> but three, fish. And yeah. Wing and I know how soft Raven goes over fish. He fucking loves the aquarium. It's like, adorable. We all enjoy a trip to the aquarium, but Raven is particularly moved by it, and it's adorable. Fish are friends. Not yes, food. we like fish, not food. Although I do like fish. I actually found Amy failing at babysitting to be the weirdest part of this, because... Wasn't it not too long ago that she has regular babysitting jobs? Like that's yeah, a thing yeah, that the she Samsons does. were were her clients. And um as I briefly touched on earlier, um, not to go too far into the into the future, but the Nightmare on Elm Street four books is basically Sweet Valley crossed over with Babysitters Club crossed over with um Nightmare on Elm Street. So basically Liz and Co. set up the Babysitters Club. And then they work at a house that has Freddy Krueger in it. And That's amazing. I'm so excited. I am so upselling this st- story. I really am. Crap. Don't, don't Crap. believe my hype. Um, Too late. But, yeah, Amy, again, is an integral member of that. Like, there is just so much Amy babysitting. It's it's weird to see her literally everything. Especially because she's got that vibe of slow and steady. Like... Uh, Blighton does this as well, like with the best friend character, that they just kind of plod along doing their thing, not being as bright and shiny and wonderful as the lead character, but dependable. And the idea that Amy's just like constantly up is just, I find it infuriating. I I just feel like shaking her all the time. Like she specifically said to be careful of that flower. And what do you do? You immediately zone out and lock the head off fucking thick are you i mean i work with people like this i just want to shake them like pay attention or have worked in the past sorry i want to just in case (laughs) just in case i I don't mean now i mean in my previous job which has been sure ranted about (laughs) extensively can i just say listeners there you just had a nice sort of window into my life with dove (laughs) constant fear that i'll get something wrong and lop the head off that metaphorical flower and then just be shouted at until I cry. See, I, I just don't get why people don't pay attention to instructions. Like, I only need to hear instructions once and then I do it. And then, of course, Wing's got a much better memory than me, so I'm sure she's scrolling through the archives trying to find a counter example. No, I'm just going to let it go. Uh, you hold people to a very high standard. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Or at least when work is concerned. Like, Amy's fair, being paid, fair. so she should have paid attention Right. No, I agree, especially with the flowers. Yeah. To me, what threw me with the babysitting is that so I could absolutely see Chrissy running off while they play hide and seek to hide in the neighbor's house with the aquarium because there's a whole great scene earlier where she loves it a lot. However, Amy really sets herself up to do that because she very ridiculously says stuff like, oh, you could hide anywhere you want and just on and on. And she says things in a way that you know a five-year-old is going to run with that. And if she has that much babysitting experience, she should know that too. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Then again, she's had a hard fucking week, hasn't she? <laughs> she's she's burned loads of shit. She's been after this money. She's been tidying hundreds of garages. So, you know, we've got her a little bit of slack. Yeah, all right. And not long ago, her house burned down. Fucking hell. <laughs> okay, that's true. I keep forgetting about that part. Oh, my God. Uh... You know, actually, in light of that and the stress they were under, I actually find her wanting to get her parents' soccer tickets kind of sweet now that I think about yeah, it. And she just wants way to give them a little break from this shit show of a life they've kind of had lately. So, crap. Okay, I feel a little bad now. <laughs> Not that bad, though. I think they're fairly financially comfortable because, I mean, her mum's a TV news reporter. So, like, when you say a shit show of life, I think there are other people who are struggling slightly more. Oh, I'm sure. But that doesn't mean this situation's not a shit show. And she doesn't want to give them something fun to do. I mean, of course, they can afford it. And she probably could have asked them for the money to buy it. But that's not really giving a gift. (laughs) I think it'd be funny if she went and said, I'll buy you these tickets to the soccer game. And they're like, oh, great. Okay, and they wander off to the soccer game and it was a really dull nil-nil draw in the wet or something like that. I was just like, yeah, were there any good goals? No, no, it was just really, really dull. She should have been, like, well cunning about it and just been, like, um, put down a holding deposit of, like, $8 or whatever it was that she had to hand and be like, yeah, Mum, when you go, you've got to show them your credit card to prove it's you. (laughs) Wow. Nice. Uh, Obviously, I don't have a particularly good relationship with my parents, so the idea of buying something to celebrate the fact that they got together and created me, not really high on my list of priorities. I do also think that with that could quite easily backfire with uh, with Amy's parents as Amy's <laughs> Amy stood there at the box office going, "What do you mean you don't know who I am? I'm the anchor for the television news at KYVT." And that's Come on. very fucking true. <laughs> I want to touch on a different plot uh, in part because I uh, want to talk about a comment that you guys made. So going back to the C plot with Jessica and this party and Aaron and Chad, uh, so they have this party where there's people Jessica and Elizabeth Elizabeth's age because of Janet and then Janet's big brother is throwing this party so there's a bunch of high school boys there too and pretty much all the boys but especially the 12 year old boys obsess over this model railroad and I am just not really sure that that's a thing they would obsess over so uh, Raven tells a little story about how he and Dove attended a wedding reception where an icebreaker involved assembling a track now first of all i have never known a wedding reception to have icebreakers so i'm really interested to know if that's a thing over there but i also need to know more about the story so please take it away can i just give you background on the on the bride because uh that's how we were going because i used to work with the bride i call her miss motion blur because at work i would there would just be this puff of air and a motion blur would whiz past and all of a sudden problems would be fixed and then whoosh um you'd love her she's very very organized now raven may take over yes uh yes uh, we'll call her hummingbird shall we nice. yeah actually that's great sorry hummingbird works i like it <laughs> okay so um hummingbird um was marrying mr hummingbird and they're both massive um bike fans bikers really you know top of the end stuff love you know, racing bikes and they had a themed wedding, which was themed on sort of, well, racing bikes. And each wedding, each um, table had sort of wedding decorations with pit stop stuff. Um, there was nice sort of, 
there was the chocolate on the table, which was shaped in like spanners and, and wrenches and, and things and, like this. Nuts and oh, bolts. And it also makes jewelry out of tiny bits that have like fallen off her motorbike. And I've like sort of said, uh, can I have first dibs? Because I happen to know a girl who would fucking love that shit. I love Hummingbird. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course. The Hummingbird and Mr. Hummingbird's wedding was full of an eclectic group of people who had not necessarily met before. So when I said icebreaker, that was the sort of thing I meant. When you turned up, you were said, hello, yeah, oh, nice, well, well done, you're here. Here is your piece of track. And every single guest had a piece of track with their name on the back. Or a yeah, number on a the number. back or something. Yeah. Everyone, it, it wasn't just pluck one from the thing, was it? It was everyone had a specific set up piece of track. And the scale X trick that it built had two little bikes on it and you could play it. But of course, you had to go in into a room and say, right, here is the legend with all the numbers and where all the track number 29 fits into number two, but also number 32 and so on and so forth. And everyone was there saying, well, I've got number 29. Who's got number two? Oh, you've got number two. What's your name? Oh, your name is Duck. Hello, Duck. I'm Raven and so on and so forth. And everyone sort of got together and assembled the track. To be perfectly fair not correctly but it got there as best it could (laughs) and it worked and then we played with it for the rest of the night you know and it it drew a lot of admiring glances from from everybody who was involved so uh, sorry i thought it was very believable that the boys were like oh a model railway that's cool let's get into that i am utterly charred by everything about this oh my god uh something i will say about the boys and the railway track is also at least the 12-year-olds, the boys in Jessica and Elizabeth's class, are still a bit, ew, girls, except for when they're not. So they kind of have this weird push-me-pull-you thing, which I remember, like, boys are fucking weird at that age. So I can also sort of see them going, model railroad is not half as confusing as how I feel about a girl. I'm going to go and play with the railway. I can definitely see them not being like oh let's dance or whatever i just the railway like that's it just seems such an uncool thing for them to have i don't think it's uncool but i feel like teenage boys and preteen boys in sweet valley are definitely going to think it's uncool so that seemed weird to me yeah i mean i definitely agree with that because um i can't believe joe howell hasn't been in it that much because i feel like i know him really well and to be honest I really haven't read that f- that much further ahead, like, back in the day. Oh, sure. Uh, but Joe Howell is Janet's brother, for those who don't know who I'm on about. Um, he's basically Stephen. He's a jock. He's quite good with the ladies. In fact, he's moderately better than Stephen. Um, he likes to eat. Uh, a few of the unicorns think he's so cute. You know, he's basically Stephen, only he's related to Janet. So I can't, you're right, I can't imagine that boy having a model railroad. Like, I can totally imagine Winston Egbert unashamedly going, I have got the best motherfucking model railroad in the fucking world. Behold my railroady goodness. And Randy Mason and everyone, all the nerds going, this is awesome. But Joe Howell, who's two years older, more into girls, not really. But I can see, I can also see the popular 12-year-olds kind of going, oh, it's a bit babyish, but there's quite a few boys over there. So it's okay if I go and have a look at it. But I can, like, I reckon Todd Wilkins could be like, 
no, I like that. I'm cool enough to be, you know, a jock and a nerd at the same time because I'm awesome. <laughs> You're right. It's it's weird that literally every single boy has gone, Model Railroad, yes! Well, I also think, given the age of the boys and the fact that they're all at a party, a co-ed party with the girls, there would have been a lot of standing there looking at the girls then looking at the model railroad and watching trains going into tunnels and then looking at the girls and then looking at the trains going into the tunnels <laughs> and then going, I'm going to need five minutes. I'll be back in a I'll be back. So I think that might be some sort of, you know, it's very confusing at that age for young boys. And this is why having Raven's point of view is the greatest thing that we could have thought of doing. Thank you, Doug, for setting that up. Because, yeah, I would not have ever gotten there. But look at that. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> in that case, we better give a shout out to Bat for introducing me to uh, Raven yeah, back in the day. True. Thank you, Bat. <laughs> Hashtag. Are we done? Have we come to a natural pause? I think a we have. Yes, I think yeah. anything else we would like to say about the book? I think we've I tackled think we've all three plots. Yeah. I think we've tackled everything I wanted to speak about. Same. Hit all my notes. Awesome. Fantastic. Shall we head over to the the darker side of the tracks with a bit of Bleak Valley? have some good bleak valley <laughs> yeah yeah you dragged us over here exposit okay then all right then let me go for this then so in this book is the story about the twins both wanting a sibling and then realizing it's a not a good idea how about bleak elizabeth when she has been doing the chores in the house at the behest of her drunken parents she discovers a pregnancy test that Bleak Alice has taken that's positive. And she's like, wow, that's great. That's amazing. Is that amazing? I'm not sure. What would it be like having another brother or sister? And then she realizes that that's something that she wants. So she starts fantasizing about the twins looking after a younger sibling. But during the course of the fantasy, she overhears Alice talking to Ned, saying, yeah, I've got rid of it. Or Alice crying because she just drank too much gin and she'd had a miscarriage. Or something bleak, which meant that that fantasy she was having was no longer something that she could sustain to a positive outcome. So that's when the actual Chrissy being not the idyllic, beautiful, young sibling that she was hoping to have and becoming a right pain in the backside. And, of course, that's the only way that Bleak Elizabeth can get it, th- get it into her, can, can justify the fact that she's not going to have a, a younger sibling who she can look after and love. That's really sad. That actually, that, yeah... You've outdone what I had. 
which was, um, I think we've all established that um, Ned and Alice don't often use protection, neither are they monogamous, or they've had quite a few partners. Um, So I thought possibly a younger half-sibling was staying with them for a while. And at first, Bleak Elizabeth was like, oh my God, a real-life Jessica, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. And um, obviously, the real-life half-sibling wasn't anything like Jessica. It was a massive disappointment. Maybe she was younger and annoying. And so the narrative got rewritten, like that she was initially really excited about this younger sibling, but now she's like, thank fuck she's going home. But yeah, yours is far bleaker. I like both of those. The thing that I thought about uh, when Raven was telling his is that uh, to me, it's possible that as she gets excited after this pregnancy test, but then it slowly dawns on her as she has these daydreams that a younger sibling is either going to turn up like the older step sibling where uh, it abuses her too, or it's going to get stuck like she is in this kind of basement living where she gets nothing and is beaten all the time and that kind of stuff and she just cannot imagine someone smaller than her having to deal with that and so she has to save the kid by getting her out of there maybe so maybe she feeds Alice some spiked gin (laughs) nice Mm. nice Uh, another thing we could do for this moving away from the main plot is maybe she's just had a really shit time fucking things up she's accidentally burnt the toast and she's accidentally I don't know, dropped dropped a bottle of gin and broke it or something. And she's been, all her chores have been, you know, she's been getting really, really shouted at and, you know, at the, the wrong end of the shitty stick um, because of the, the bad, the, the mishaps that she's had. So therefore she's a bit like Amy with her bad week. But she's trying very hard to give the abusive parents something nice. Maybe, you know, just to stop them beating her. Yeah, that's so sad. Uh, So to touch on the C-plot, obviously we're thinking of Bleak Elizabeth as around the same age, so around 12. So she too is starting to have physical and emotional things that she doesn't really understand. And if there is a step-sibling that maybe has people drop by the house or she sees them outside or in passing, there may be that she's like, oh, cute boys or whatever. And suddenly is starting to have more and more of these thoughts. Because in this one, you have three separate potential romances. Elizabeth and Todd, uh, Jessica and Aaron, and then Jessica and Chad. And so it's all these different awkward ways that do and do not work out. So I think that Bleak Valley Elizabeth is just starting to hit puberty. And obviously is in a shitty situation anyway. And has really no idea how to handle it. Bless her. Oh, we do feel for Bleak Valley Elizabeth. Yeah, me too. Yeah, everyone on this podcast is child-free, but secretly thinking, I could tolerate adopting that kid. As long as she stayed in the basement and did all the chores. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm definitely not thinking that, but cool. <laughs> I could steal her and give her to my sister because Canary would be a great parent. <laughs> all right, so I, does that wrap up Bleak Valley? I think it does. I, I think, think it that does. was extensively bleaked on a number of levels. Right, yeah. Yeah, we, we tackled all three plots, which is good. Go team us! All right, so now that we've depressed ourselves, let's bring it up a little bit by going to the book category. As a reminder, we have 
five categories. Stupendous, good, meh, bad, and kill it with fire. I think this is just a high meh, maybe a low good for me. I really like the C-plot. The other two didn't do a lot for me, at least until we discussed it here. So the podcast may have bumped it to a low good, but having when it was just after I read and recapped it, it would have been just a high meh. I'm just putting it as a middle-of-the-road meh. Um, I wasn't particularly attached to any of the plots except for Jessica and her romance, but to be honest, there wasn't enough of that in there to carry it to a higher level and to be honest even if there were it would have been too much like it was fine as a c plot but it wasn't lead material so um also i'm just like not a kid person i i just don't get it so possibly i was never gonna like coo over how cute it is how cute chrissy is when she's sleeping and stuff like that so for me just middle of the road meh Uh, i'm gonna go for a high meh, I think. I was going to say low good, but as the podcast has managed to bring this book up in Wing's estimation, I think it's brought it slightly down in mine. Because <laughs> she made some very good points about the logistics behind the, the anniversary gift, soccer tickets, etc, etc. But I did enjoy the plots that other people didn't like, and I don't think I enjoyed the romance stuff as much as uh, as either Wing or Dove did, which might be because of... Because we're girls? Yes, yes, it might well be. Who knows? <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's because it doesn't live up to the new boy for you. Or the, the older yes. boy, yes. Or whatever. Well, the older yeah. boy, yes. So, it's I definitely mean, clearly no, your no bar boy. was set much higher with that than it yeah. was for me, and I think for Dove, so... Yeah, that yeah, was the A-plot smaller. of that book, though, exactly. the older boy, so, yeah. <laughs> That's but, yeah, fair. Overall, I'd say, I'd say, overall, I'd say a high meh. It was something that I, I enjoyed, but it's not one. If I was presenting my list of uh, of books that I'd present, I'd suggest people new to the series were to read to get into it. This wouldn't be on it. So yeah, fair. Hi, meh. So yeah, pretty solidly a meh, maybe with a slight touch in the low good, but yeah. So basically, I think the slide's mostly filler. And substitute book for line, uh, and throwing back to Dove making a reference in the recap about needing to have a dawn moment for Buffy the Vampire Slayer with having the secret baby in twins that doesn't exist in uh, Sweet Valley High. It was fine. The book is fine. Some parts are great. Some parts are eh. I love having multiple plots, even in books that are short like this, because that helps break up the boredom if one is terrible or just plain meh. I did think Chrissy was fun and usually really realistic for a five-year-old, but overall it's just kind of a filler book, and I guess that's okay. Especially in a series that goes this long, sometimes books are going to be filler, and I'd much rather have a filler book than something that I absolutely detest that makes me want to stop reading the series. Mostly, I'm looking forward to meeting Maria in the next book, even though I also think the new girl plot is kind of overdone in the series. And even though I have super worries about a black girl coming to Sweet Valley, still, I think it's going to be a fun book. uh, And I think we're going to talk about soap operas a lot, which will also be great. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to the Sweet Valley Online podcast for Sweet Valley Twins number 49, The Twins' Little Sister, recorded on the 3rd of June, 2018. Next time, we'll talk about Sweet Valley Twins number 50, Jessica and the Secret Star. Be sure to join us then. Until then, make sure you don't talk about your crushes in front of the five-year-old. And remember, your time is worth money. Don't undersell your services. You can access all of our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, a member of the nostalgicbookshelf.com network. Check us out on facebook.com slash sweetvalleyonline or tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor. He can be contacted at taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all your music needs. We can be found on Twitter under sweetvalley underscore for Dove, Devil's Elbow Pod for me, and bookshelf underscore Raven. We'd love it if you subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for listening.